Welcome to For What It's Worth, a podcast from Raymond James, designed to help you plan, invest, and live smarter. Hi, listeners. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Paige Lenson. We're glad to have you with us. You can find more episodes of For What It's Worth on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We've spoken in recent episodes about the toll that the pandemic has taken on the economy, but market performance in 2020 looked like a different story. The Dow, NASDAQ, and S&P 500 not only recovered from their spring lows, they notched really solid annual gains on top of that. Here to share his perspective and discuss the investing outlook for 2021, I'm joined by Raymond James Chief Investment Officer, Larry Adam. Larry, it's good to be speaking with you again. Welcome back. Thanks for having me and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Now, you recently wrote that December put an exclamation point at the end of a surprisingly strong market year. I think surprising might be an operative word there because back in March and April, I don't know how many investors would have expected to see 16% annual gains for the S&P 500. How did we get there? Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a great point. That surprising is the the appropriate word because when we were down 34% during that February and March, there were few people that thought that we would then go on to rally 70%. And by the way, that's the best start to a bull market that we have ever had. And then end the year up somewhere between that 16 or 18%. And the reason December just put a punctuation on that is that we continue to get more facts coming at us that were more optimistic about us eventually returning back to normal. And there's two things that really happened during December. First of all, we got positive news on the effectiveness of the vaccines where they're you know, 95% plus. And we actually started to distribute those vaccines, which really gave us an inclination that we are eventually going to conquer this COVID-19. And then the second thing that was very positive is the fact that Congress did pass another $900 billion stimulus package. So for those people that are still hurting from this, this continues to build that bridge to when we do return back to normal. So a lot of optimism was built into the market for this upcoming year. You were among the very first to talk about the fact that we're going to see a K-shaped recovery for the U.S. economy. So our listeners, if you can imagine a K, you've got some things going straight up, some headed straight down, and a couple diagonals branching off. How did you see that play throughout the year, and where do we stand now? Well, I liked, I still like the K as the analysis because the K is the only letter that gives you the ability to see that different parts of the economy are going to recover at a different pace and magnitude. And like you said, if you look at the top part of that K, you go straight up on the on the top left-hand side. Those are areas that weren't impacted. They actually benefited. And that's like e-commerce. Uh, you're talking about household products, streaming, what we're doing right now. They all benefited. The top right is where you had a lot of pent-up demand. So as soon as we saw the signs that we could come out of our homes, we went and bought things. So home improvement did well, uh, medical supplies, a lot of technology. Now, the bottom part of the K is where we needed to see signs that we were going to return back to normal. We had to overcome some psychological barriers, some of the restrictions that were put in place. And what you're seeing is that there is the expectation that as we come out of this next year, that those areas will start to perform again. So we're talking about small cap companies. We're talking about more of the value sectors that, that people talk about. But the point that about decay is that it was like clockwork. 
That's how performance ended up last year. The top left part of the K did by far the best. The upper right, next best, third best would be the lower right, and then the one on the, the bottom left that did the worst. So that K has been very accurate in actually showing you how the market performed. We're going to come back to some of the sectors you mentioned to see what you think about them for 2021. But overall, what is your base case outcome for what we're going to see from U.S. equities this year? Well, we're still optimistic that this bull market continues. Our forecast for the S&P 500 is 4,025. And that takes into account an above consensus earnings forecast of $175. Now, in contrast to the last two years, where we saw performance of 30% and then 18% last year, I don't think it's going to be quite as robust because what drove that performance in those two years was PE expansion. Some of the largest PE expansion we had ever seen. In fact, if you look at the last two years, it's the largest contiguous expansion in the PE multiple we've really ever seen. So a lot of that was really pricing in what we're going to see this upcoming year. So our forecast of 4,025 is only about seven or 8% upside. And that's because we kind of paid it forward with some of the performance that we got last year. The other thing I would mention, by the way, is that we are coming up on a one-year anniversary of this bull market that we're in, which is this March. And if you look back historically, the first year by far and away is the easiest market. That's up on average around 40%. So that's the easy money, if you will. The second year, you have to dial back your expectations. And in the third year, similar. You really have to earn your way higher when you, once you get into that type of environment. You mentioned you know, that would represent about a 7% annual gain for 2021. How smooth or bumpy of a ride do you think it might be to get there? Are we in for another year of a lot of volatility? No, I actually think that volatility is going to be dialed back this year for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, we're not going to have a pandemic. We're going to be coming, we're on the other side of that. So I think economic growth is going to be more positive, And I think people are expecting that to occur. I think we're going to have a little less tension down in Washington because there is no election this year. You're probably going to have a little bit less trade rhetoric around there, especially with uh, Europe. And then if you do look at the Fed, I think for the most part, the Fed's going to be on autopilot for most of this year. So a lot of those things that were driving the volatility last year, I don't think are going to be there this year. But as we saw last year, you can never predict these black swine events. So you do have to be prepared just in case any of that does happen. Let's discuss sectors. Do you think the same strong performers from 2020 will continue into 2021? I still like several of the winners that were from last year. And I would tell you that our favorite sector, we call it's in the bullseye of our, of our sector allocation is technology. And what's interesting is that we did a survey, our RJ investment strategy survey, and 60% of the respondents said that they were going to spend more on technology this year than they did last year. Think about that. We spent a lot on technology last year. So saying we're going to spend more is a big statement. Uh, so that gives you some visibility into the earnings of that sector. Another interesting question that we asked was, do you plan on spending more online than you did last year? And 80% of the respondents said that they would spend more online than last year. Again, so I think that that's very favorable for e-commerce. And then the other sectors that I continue to like are healthcare. By far and away to me, that's the least expensive sector in the market today. 
And then the other two that I like are communication services and industrials. You mentioned that the Fed may largely be on autopilot for the upcoming year. We've already heard them state that there's no plans to raise short-term interest rates. They might stay right around zero for the next several years. We've talked with Chief Economist Scott Brown about the implications for the economy, but what do you think that's going to mean for investors? Well, first of all, I do think that they're going to keep interest rates low for a long period of time. That is going to be supportive of the economy. So the combination of keeping economic growth strong, plus the fact that when you look at yields in the fixed income market, particularly high quality bonds, after inflation, it's negative, which is very unattractive. And I think what that is going to do is between better growth and unattractive yields, that's going to force investors to take on more risk in their portfolios and go a little bit further out on the risk spectrum. And that's beneficial to sectors such as you know, the equity market. Now, that being said, I do think that yields will grind higher this year. But as opposed to everybody worrying about it, I think they're going higher for the right reason, right? We're getting better growth. That should drive rates higher. And we think it'll go up to about one and a half percent. That being said, if we go beyond one and a half percent, that's when I'll get more concerned because this economy is more interest rate sensitive than it has ever been. And what we've seen is that if you see too quick of a spike, it'll start to hurt those interest rate sensitive sectors of the economy like housing. And that could hamper overall growth of the economy. We've spoken a lot about U.S. markets, but looking globally, what are you anticipating for 2021? Well, I think global equities will do well across the board this year because we're having this global synchronized recovery. And I think that's a pretty important story this year. Last year, 19 out of the 20 largest economies had negative growth. This year, it's forecasted that all 20 of them are going to have positive GDP growth. So that's a positive for equities in general. Now, when it comes to our preferences, I still prefer the U.S., over the other developed markets like Europe and Japan. And that's really based on fundamentals. And what I mean by that is, where are you gonna have your best earnings growth? And I think it's going to remain in the US because when I look at profitability, by far and away, the US has the advantage. So if you look at gross margins, the margins in the US are more than double what you have over in Europe and Japan. And when you look at productivity, each employee, so sales per employee, are $300,000 more per employee in the US than they are in Japan or Europe. So over time, if you got more profitability and more productivity, that's a driver of earnings growth. And that's why the US should continue to do better longer term. Now, I also still think that investors should consider looking at emerging markets. I think they will particularly do well this year. When you talk about economic growth, a lot of it's gonna come from the emerging markets. China is expected to grow around 8.4%. India, 8.8%. When you have better growth, that tends to lead to better earnings. That should support those markets. And by the way, if you look at valuations, that's one of the few places around the world that are actually selling at a discount. So I do like uh, the emerging markets. What do you think we're going to see from the dollar compared to other currencies? I think that the dollar will continue to weaken. And what I think is important to take a step back because dollar cycles in general tend to be long dated, meaning they last, the trends last for six, seven, eight, nine, 10 years. And we just came off of a nine year uh, timeframe 
where the dollar had strengthened. I think we're at this inflection point where you see the dollar weaken for the foreseeable future. What's going to drive that is the fact that if you look at what we call our twin deficits, meaning our budget deficit and our trade deficit, it continues to worsen here in the U.S. And that tends to be a tailwind for a currency. And then the other big driver of that is the fact that over the last nine years, money printing or money creation has actually been less here in the U.S. versus Europe. But since the pandemic, you have seen an incredible amount of money being created by the Fed. And when you increase the supply of an asset, it tends to cheapen it. So that's why we think that the euro for in particular will be stronger versus the dollar. And our target there is 125. We've been talking about your base case outcome for these different aspects of the markets but what are some of the big variables that you think could really sway that performance in one direction or the other? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question for this year. We have a lot, there's a lot of optimism built into this year. So I think you're, you're spot on that we should look at some of the things that could go wrong. You know, and one thing that, that I would point to is really DC politics, because there's this growing expectation with the fact that the Democrats have a very slim majority in Congress, that there's not going to be big policy movements and there's going to be a lot of compromise down in Washington. So I think we have to keep an eye on that because if, for example, tax hikes come sooner than what people are expecting, and if you look at a lot of analysts and strategists on the street, they're looking for that not to take place until 2022. Well, if that actually gets put into effect this year, retroactive till January 1st, that's a different story. So we have to look at the timing and then what is the actual increase in taxes going to be? So that's one. The second I would say is Fed policy. Uh, If inflation were to tick higher, which is not our base case, but if it were because of all the growth and stimulus being put into the system, if inflation were to start to really rear its head and the Fed started to pull back on its asset purchases, that could lead to some volatility. And I I would ask you to look back to when we had the taper tantrum the first time. That's not uncommon to see that type of volatility come out. And then the third one, I would be careful and and watch out for geopolitical risk. It's not unusual that when you have a new president, that our adversaries out there don't try and test the the new person in in command. And I think you've already started to see some early signs of that. We've seen some vulnerabilities down in Washington with the uh, cyber attacks that have been taking place. So I'd be watching out for those types of things to see if they become even more disruptive to our economy. Larry, do you have any key guidance for investors right now as we move into the rest of 2021? Well, I would say that for the most part, you know, we are fairly optimistic on both the economy and the financial markets. But I think it's very important not to get complacent. And while I did say that I think volatility is going to go lower, what if we're wrong? Remember, last year, nobody saw the black swan event that hit us with the COVID-19. So my one piece of advice is that you have to adhere to the time-tested principles of asset allocation, which include having a plan, but more important than having a plan, making sure you remain committed to it when you do have those times of volatility so you don't have those knee-jerk reactions. It's also important to make sure your portfolio has the risk profile that's congruent with your goals and objectives. Make sure you diversify. And make sure you rebalance on a periodic basis. Those types of principles are typically what are really surround the most successful 
uh, investors that we see. Raymond James Chief Investment Officer, Larry Adam. Larry, thank you again. It's always great to get your perspective on the markets. Thank you for having me. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. For what it's worth, I'll see you next time. All opinions and information, including any price references or market forecasts, correspond to the recording date listed in this episode's description. Any performance figures noted do not include fees or charges, which would reduce an investor's returns. The information contained in this podcast is not research, nor does it constitute the provision of any investment, financial, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or recommendations to the listener. Raymond James and its financial advisors do not provide tax or legal advice, and you should discuss any tax or legal matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance is not an indication of future results. There is no assurance any investment strategy will be successful. Investing involves risk, and investors may incur a profit or a loss. Investment products are not deposits, not FDIC-NCUA insured, not insured by any government agency, not bank guaranteed, subject to risk and may lose value. Copyright 2020 Raymond James & Associates Inc. Member New York Stock Exchange, SIPC. Copyright 2020 Raymond James Financial Services Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC.